Hey, I'm Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors here at Horizon. We are so very glad to see each and every one of you here this morning. If this is your first time with us, we are especially glad that you are here. If you'll just take a moment, you were given a connection card on your way in, or we stuffed them in the uh, coffee cups. Um, <laughs> we're trying everything to get you to fill those out. If you'll just take a moment and fill um, one of those cards out, Chris will be standing in the back, and he will trade you a, um, a gift for a connection card. So if you just want to take a moment to do that, we would, we would really appreciate it. This morning we are going to finish up our series, Brave, Strong, Known, and Loved. And we're going to talk about something um, that is actually the most popular word, one of the most popular words in the English language. It's time. So um, it's, a, it's a word that we use in lots and lots of sentences. I don't have time for that. I'm not going to make time for that. Um, I tell my kid it's bath time. He's like, no, it's not time for that. Um, I, you know, I've had the time of my life. What, what am I going to do with all this time on my hands, right? Um, all these different ways that we, that we use time. And I don't know about you all, but this time of year, what I'm usually saying about time is I do not feel like I have enough time in the day to get everything done. Anybody else here feel that way? Lately, there is just not enough time. Or maybe some of you are on the opposite end of the spectrum, right? And recently, you've had a little break from um, what you were doing and, and just had like the time of your life in, on a vacation or just experienced some time away. And so maybe you're um, here this morning with a, a little different view of time and, and wanting time to slow down and to be a little bit more like it was. I think we had a broken coffee mug, and I just want to say we've made it 55 Sundays without, with that not happening. That's really good math, don't y'all think? That, that's like... Um, like an improbable statistic, I believe. So um, we, uh, that, that is okay. We'll just get that all cleaned up. Um, so this morning, I just want us to think about time, how, it, how we talk about it, how we think about it how, it, how how we think about and engage with time really does control our lives, right? It controls what we do and, and how we do it and deadlines and getting this done, or I know I have this much more time before this needs to be done, or I only have 30 seconds to do this. The time in our lives, the time around us really does affect like what we do, and, and what we do affects like who we are. And so we've got to think about what we do and how we engage with time this morning. So I think there are three sort of different people in the room this morning. I think some of us ignore that time is marching on. So we pretend like things aren't going to happen in the future. We know maybe some things are going to happen. Some people might call them procrastinators. You just ignore that there's some looming deadline in the future. You ignore that, that something is coming up um, as far as in the future, in the future time. The second thing is, the second kind of person, do we have any procrastinators in the room? <laughs> we got a few of them. Um, the second is that there are people who are absolutely obsessed with the past, right? And so you don't even like put off what, what you know is coming, ignore that it's coming. But all you want, you don't even need to ignore it because all you want to do is spend all your time figuring out how to get back to the good old days, right? Back to dual income, no kids, back to dink. <laughs> I mean, I've never longed for that day. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, um, but, 
you know, back to your college days or your high school days or, or just the good old days. Anybody ever in, in that kind of, that you spend all your time thinking about or trying to get back to the past where the third person becomes so fixated, they almost become fearful of the future. So all you can think about is this thing is looming in the future and you become absolutely fixated and almost fearful of it, right? Thinking about time in those ways, either being stuck in the past, ignoring that the present or the future is coming, or being absolutely fixated and fearful about the future, all three of those make us fixated on time and the way life is moving forward. And it, 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 it drains our energy. It causes our energy to focus on that. It causes everything we do to start focusing on that. And what it doesn't do is create just enough room for God to break in and turn our moments into extraordinary transformational Moment. See, this is, this is what I think all of us are craving, are not those seconds ticking, talking, ticking by, but instead we're craving for those, those moments where life seems to stand still, and we enjoy those moments that have deep purpose, deep meaning, where we feel loved and known, where we feel brave and strong to engage in the future. See, brave, strong, known, loved people have to figure out how not to keep worrying about the time that's marching on, to take a step back. And enjoy this time, th those moments that are a little bit deeper and a little bit more meaningful. Anybody crave a little more of that in your life these days? Brave, strong, known, loved people learn how to savor those. Because it takes brave, strong, known, loved people to stop in their tracks, quit moving forward with time the way it goes. And to really begin to savor each ordinary moment and trust that maybe by the power that only God can bring, that those moments can become extraordinary and powerful and transformative. I don't know about you all, but I'm craving more and more of those moments in my life as I give more and more of my time to deadlines and quantity and measuring. See, the English language limits our word time to just the word time. But there was some, some different ways that Jesus referred to time. He, he used these Greek words. I don't usually do this, but I'm going to do it this morning. There are two words that, God, that Jesus used to talk about time. And one of them is chronos time. It, it, you'll notice, I've got it up here, chronos, it looks like chronological, right? The sequential time. It's that Erica was born on June 19, 1987 at 4.44 a.m., that, that was a moment in time, but, but my mom, she might not call it that chrono-sequential like, time. She might not remember the date and time. She might, in fact, she, I'm her daughter, I know. She's like, that, that moment Erica was born, <laughs> right? But, but those moments where, where life isn't measured by seconds or the time, we can't say this is the date and the time that it happened, but something a little deeper and more meaningful happened. See, chronos times look at the, looks at the quantity of time, the seconds and the, and the minutes and the months and the years that we have. And then there's a different kind of time that Jesus talks about. It's called kairos time. And it's those moments where, where life kind of stands still, where, where ordinary normal moments, where 4.44 a.m. on June 19, 1987, was so, suddenly transformed into some extraordinary, extraordinary and powerful, meaningful moment where things became different. This is the time that God wants us brave, strong, and known, loved people to be living in. Does that mean we get to ignore chronos time and the dates and the deadlines? I wish it did. That's not what it means. But it means that we begin to experience more of this kairos time in the middle of the chronos time. Does that, does that make a little bit of sense? So we're going to talk a little bit about the chronos time and the kairos time. We've talked a lot about, about Joshua in the last, um, in this series. And, and Joshua has led the people 
you know, Moses led the people out of, the, out of Egypt, out of being slave, enslaved and, and treated terrible. He led them out of there into the wilderness. And then he didn't get to march them to the promised land, the land where, where there was milk and honey, pomegranates and cucumbers, soil that people could grow crops in. They, they weren't going to be slaves to this chronos time, like you've you got to be a slave and, and build these things for me in Egypt. But these people got to leave that. God drew them out of that and into a different kind of time, a different kind of life, one where they began to, to enjoy the things that are a little more savory and satis, satisfactory, cucumbers and pomegranates, instead of building bricks to build more and more buildings enslaved to the people, the Egyptians. This is what God did. He, he drew them out of there. But Moses didn't get to take the people into the promised land. Joshua stood up and he led them from the promised land across the Jordan River that was flooded and into the promised land. And now we're at the end of Joshua, the book about Joshua, and Joshua is about to die. And this is what he tells the people. He, draw, he, he brings his closest leaders into the room and he says, Now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave us has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. And this is the moment this week where I began to understand that Kronos time and that Kairos time that I talked about a little earlier. See, Joshua is about, like, I hate to break it to you guys, but dying is a normal, ordinary thing in life. And instead of calling the leaders in and saying, I've got two weeks, let's get our succession plan in place, let's figure out what's next, what's next, what's next. Instead, what he did was he made just a little space for God to transform this normal, ordinary moment. It's normal, it's ordinary to die, it's not beautiful to talk about, but it's normal, it's ordinary. And he created just enough space in the moment of, of, his, of his death to, to remind them of something powerful. God has kept every single good promise God has made to you. I can talk right now about our succession plan and what all needs to be in place, but instead I'm going to remind you about the God who's going to take care of you. The God who's created you brave and strong, known and loved. All of those good promises, not one of them has failed. In a normal, ordinary moment, Joshua made just enough room for God to break in and remind these folks that they were brave, they were strong, they were known they were loved. I, I don't know about you, but, but that's the kind of moments I want to be living more of. I don't, I don't want all about my quantity of time, right? I've got this amount of time to do this. I, I want it to have a little more of the time that reminds people that you're brave, you're strong, you're known and loved. I want them to have a little bit deeper meaning and purpose. I want to create moments that are a little more powerful and meaningful. I've been longing for them in my life. This morning, I had, I had the opportunity to just keep working on my message and and David was screaming, Mommy, I want to eat breakfast with you. And I came in and I ate breakfast with him because I listened to this. How do we take a moment to quit worrying about the deadlines and the thing that's next and to enjoy these normal, ordinary breakfasts with my two-year-old and my husband? Those are normal, ordinary moments. But when, when we stop and, and we do some things that Joshua tells the people to do, God can transform those into extraordinary, powerful, meaningful moments. I, Joshua gives us a pattern for looking, for being able to live into Kairos time and not just Kronos time. Um, the first thing that you have to do is you have to remember. And so some of you who like to live in the good old days and the past, right, you're going to say, oh, back when everything was perfect and fine. But the truth is you were probably immature and not very smart in those days, and maybe that's why you had so much fun. But it, it wasn't just because you had dual income and no kids, but 
like that's beside the point <laughs> this morning. Joshua reminds the people to remember what it is that God has done. In the moments when you're looking at Chronos time and it's ticking away and you realize you just have this short amount of time to do something, Joshua calls all the people in Israel. He says, I'm about to die. I'm going to call all these people together and I want to give them a pattern for living their lives where they can experience this Kairos time and not so much of this Chronos time. So I want you to hear what he does when he teaches them to remember. It's what he teaches brave, strong, known, and loved people to do. We remember Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, the leaders, the judges, and the officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates rivers, and they worshipped other gods. But I took your father, Abraham. See, they knew that the Jewish word for Abraham meant that he... he it, that word means he's not a parent. And he says, I took your father, Abraham, like I'm changing this up, from the land beyond the Euphrates, and I led him throughout Canaan, and I gave him many descendants. He reminds them of a good promise that he has made. Remember when God has done something good. And he said, I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. See, See, part of you left the land of Canaan and you went down to Egypt. He's reminding them of who they are and what they did. And then he said, then I sent Moses and Aaron and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there. Those Egyptians, you remember, you've heard your parents tell you stories about those Egyptians. They were mean, they enslaved us, they oppressed us, they cheated us out of our stuff. We didn't sleep good, we didn't eat good. Remember those Egyptians? You, you, you brought us out of that land. And when I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea and the Egyptians were still chasing you. They were pursuing you with chariots and horsemen as far as the, as the Red Sea. But you all cried to the Lord for help. And he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and he covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. And then listen to this. Listen to this. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. For those of you who think Kairos moments only happen in the good, we serve a God who tells you you are brave, you are strong, you are known, you are loved, and I can even transform the wilderness and the darkness that you are experiencing into some kind of powerful, transformational, meaningful moment. That's the kind of God I want to serve, right? The God who can even transform our wilderness. Remember this, people, as, as you're focusing on the deadlines and the quantity of your time left, stop for a moment and remember that even in the wilderness, when you didn't know if you were there for three months or three years anymore, I had the power to transform it into something meaningful and powerful. And then he says, then you crossed the Jordan and you came to Jericho. We've talked about this, right? You crossed the Jordan when it was in flood stage. No one crosses the Jordan when it's in flood stage. And you came to Jericho and he brought the brought the walls down, right? The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did the, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and every other ite you could ever find. <laughs> but I gave them into your hand. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, and also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. Do you hear this? Remember the powerful things that God has done for us. What, what we tend to do when we remember is we get in this nostalgic, everything was good, and then we, then we forget what the powerful, deep, rich things God actually did was he delivered people who were oppressed and enslaved out of, of the things that bonded 
them. He, he drove them across places they didn't think they could go, for, go, go through. It's this deep and this rich remembering. It's not just wishing for, nostalgia tends to wish for the past. The kind of remembering God calls us brave, strong, known, and loved people to do is the kind that powerfully remembers what it is that God has actually done and brought us through. So the first thing brave, strong, known, and loved people do to transform from Kronos time to some more, some more Kairos moments in their lives is they remember what it is that God has done for them. So I'm asking you this morning, what do you need to remember? What have you forgotten? What has the seconds ticking by made you forget lately? See, see this, is, this is how this works. Remembering interrupts Kronos time for a moment. It says, wait, you don't get to tell me what's next. I'm going to remember what was so that I have a little more faith to handle what's next. I'm going to remember that God made me brave and strong, known and loved before. And I'm going to take this next step to where God wants me to be after interrupting this time that keeps on passing by. So the first thing that brave, strong, known and loved people do is they remember. And then the second thing, this has haunted me all week, is brave, strong, known and loved people recognize the gifts and the graces that are around them. This is what me being obsessed with Kronos time, this is the thing that I'm the worst at, is recognizing that anything is good around me. Ask anybody who came in here this morning. I could tell them the five things that weren't going to work out this morning. Instead of being thankful that five people showed up to play instruments this morning, brought their kids, got, you know, a 24-year-old gets up here every Sunday morning and leads, leads worship for us. Instead of being thankful for that moment, instead of being thankful for those gifts and graces, I instead was worried about what the future was going to look like. So Joshua says, God says, recognize. Listen to this. I gave you a land on which you did not toil. You are planting gardens in soil you did nothing to make sure it was good. It is not yours. I gave you cities that you didn't build. You're enjoying things you had nothing to do with. And you live in them, and you eat from vineyards and olive groves that you didn't plant. You are eating olive oil from olives that you didn't even plant the trees. My baby would have been in bad shape a couple weeks ago if that wouldn't have happened. Um, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, what, look around you. Recognize what gifts and graces God has already given to you. Because what that does, again, is it stops that chronos time that keeps ticking and makes you fixate or worry about the future, or makes you only want to live in the past. And it gives you a moment to recognize what good things God is doing for you. What gifts do you need to recognize in your life? And, and here's the deal. A lot of times that, that means that we're all like, you know, oh, we should just be thankful for what's around us. That's not what I'm asking you to do when I say recognize. I'm asking you for a deep and meaningful, a rich gratefulness that recognizes that some things we're enjoying aren't ours, and it gives us courage to recognize that some of the things we're doing is going to be handed to the next generation, and so how do we make it better? Real gratitude, real recognition doesn't just accept it the way it is. Real recognition sees it and says, I want something better for my children. I want something better for the next generation. That's, that's why so many of us are sitting in here this morning, right? We want to understand and know more about a God who's given to us some things so that our lives can be better, our world can be better, our community can be better. Recognition does not just say accept things the way they are. But it recognizes that, that we're receiving things from previous generations that we have got to make better for the next generation. 
We have got to shine some light on some of the dark things we were handed, and we have got to ignite some change so that the next generation can have soil to plant and olives to eat. How do we recognize the gifts that are around us? And the third thing that Joshua tells the people that that God invites them to do is to respond, right? To share those gifts in a way that acknowledges that we are brave, we are strong, we are known, we are loved. Listen how he says this. Now, fear the Lord and serve him. So this is how you respond. You serve God with all your faithfulness. Throw away the gods that your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Because those people, those things that you were worshipping, had you building walls all night long. Had you enslaved and, and torn down as people. You couldn't remember you were brave, strong, known, and loved. So respond by accepting and choosing the Lord who has something different for you. Who has a promised land. Who has freedom and peace for you. And then he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. And Joshua says, but as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Here's the deal, guys. We are always asked to respond. And if you want to experience more of those Kairos moments, you've got to create just a little space for God to break in So your response is about serving the God who wants to shine light in your life, wants to ignite change in your life, and then wants to use you to shine light and ignite change in the community and the world around us. Joshua tells them to choose for a reason. We all have an opportunity to choose this morning. We can keep choosing those deadlines and that 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 quantity time of, of chronos. We can stick to those measurements and those deadlines, or we can stop and remember We can stop and recognize, and we can respond by serving a God who wants to do something different in our lives. When we, even before we got to the place where we were going to start Horizon, Chris and I needed a team of people who were committed to this, and someone gave us the name of Sarah Cat Ennis, and Chris and I walked in her store. She owns the store. She's working hard, got the chronos time, like has deadlines and sales she has to meet, and we walked right in in her store, interrupted her in the middle of her day, and we said, hey, can we take you to lunch? <laughs> we'd, we'd like to explain to you about a new church that we're trying to start. And we believe something powerful is happening there. And we'd like you to be a part of it. And she interrupted her day a couple of days later, and we went to lunch, and we talked about it. And t- it took a couple times <laughs> for that Kairos time to sink in. But now, every Wednesday morning at 7 o'clock, instead of sleeping in or exercising, you can find her at Kawa leading one of the best Bible studies I've ever been a part of. And inviting new people to be a part of that. So that we start our Wednesday focused on that Kairos time instead of that Kronos time. Do you see what people who are are committed to that Kairos time do? They, They try to create that space in their lives where other people can experience the God. Who takes a normal 7 o'clock on a Wednesday morning and transforms it into a moment where we encounter a God who wants us to be different and live different and love different. What is it? that God is calling you to respond to? What is it, what deadline, what thing in your life that just keeps coming and coming and coming and God is asking you to stop and remember, stop and recognize and respond by serving a God 
who wants to break into the lives of other people and transform their normal, ordinary moments into something extraordinary and transformational and powerful. Because here's the deal, folks. I talk to enough people who are serving that way of life that I know they're miserable and they're longing for something different. And I'm so thankful for a place here that's committed from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock. We don't really care exactly what time it is right now, but we know that for a moment, life can stand still and we can encounter a God who wants us to experience something different. And so I'm asking you this morning, what might it look like for you to respond in a way that lets God break into those normal, ordinary moments of life and transform them into extraordinary, meaningful moments? Because here's the deal. It's, it's not these big, crazy moments, right, where there are fireworks and the magic kingdom is all lit up. That, that's not what it's about. It's breakfast or lunch or coffee. It's a conversation with a person in the hallway. Those normal, ordinary moments are transformed into something extraordinary and powerful. Will you pray with me? God, for people here this morning who are longing for those deeper kairos moments we thank you we can just have a moment to stop and remember god your amazing grace and gift that you give to us we thank you for a moment where we can stop and and recognize that and we pray god that you will use us as people who respond by seeking more of those kairos moments in our lives and offering space in our day and our time and our lives to create more of those for the people around us We love you and we thank you for those Kairos moments in our own lives where you've turned something normal and ordinary, maybe even dark, darkness and wilderness into something powerful and transformative and meaningful. And this morning, God, we we come to you ready for more of that Kairos time. We love you. Amen.